church. We've been talking about this church of action, this church of acts. Wednesday night, we looked at 10 things that made this church powerful. Uh, Again, I know that I've been telling you, but if you aren't able to be here on Wednesday night, it's not the same. Uh, You can't reproduce the atmosphere that is in the house, but at least you can get it in your spirit. And one of the things, uh, number one thing that this uh, church in Acts did is they preached the gospel aggressively. They didn't talk about it as if it were something that would be nice for you to have, but they talked about it with authority and with power. Amen. Uh, We've got to get back to a church. I understand we must reach the culture wherever we are, and and we must uh, engage that culture as part of our vision is. But I also understand that the gospel is not something of compromise, but it is something that we believe in, and you can preach it with power, declare it with authority, and the Word of God will work in 2012 just like it did the day that Jesus spoke it. Do I have anybody believe that today? Amen. The second thing that we said is not only do they preach the gospel aggressively, but they, their discipleship was intentional. Amen. You've got to make time for discipleship. If you don't, you're cheating yourself and you'll never fulfill and achieve the, the thing that God has for you. The third thing is participation is mandatory. Amen. Participation is mandatory. It's my conviction and belief as I've preached across this country and that the, that the church in America is far too quiet. We have the only true and living God, and yet we sit in church like he's still dead. I could preach right there all day long. Amen. Because he is alive, and it's all right for you to act like you're alive. Amen. Amen. And so participation is mandatory. Now, now it's not up to me to get you to participate. It's up to you to participate. And if you don't get anything out of it, I ain't trying to make you get anything out of it. Amen. But the old church used to say it like this. You're going to get out of it what you put into it. And so if you just sit there with your arms folded, that's what you're going to carry home. Amen. But if you'll participate with the word of God, participate with worship, I promise you that you will take the presence of God with you. Amen. And the anointing that's upon that uh, season in the church, it will go with you and show uh, authority and power in your life. Number four, you've got investment is necessary in your growth. Just like anything else, if you don't invest, you're not getting anything out. You can't go to the bank and say, give me a thousand dollars if you haven't put something in. But whenever you invest, you will see it grow. Number five, love is our language. Love is our language. If you you say that you love your brother that you have seen, and and you, and, uh, you love me that you have not seen, and you cannot love your brother which you do see, he said, you're lying. Right? But he said, they shall know you not because you prophesy, not because you speak with other tongues, not because you work miracles. But he said, you, they shall know that you're my disciples because you have love one for another. Amen. Number six, faith is the currency of heaven. Faith is what moves God. Number seven, commitment is the cost. If we're going to have the kingdom of God and the power of God in our lives, we must be committed. Number eight, Christ is the king. 
Amen. Pastor isn't the king. Denominations aren't the king. Systems of this world are not the king, but he is the king. Amen. Jesus is king of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. Number nine, agreement is our culture. Unity is so rare that God protects unity at any cost. Amen. We talked about the move of God that started here in this power church. Amen. Through the chapter one, two, three, and four. And suddenly there was disunity. There was doing miracles, signs, and wonders, all of these things. Ananias and Sapphira come up in chapter five. They say that we are in unity with their words, but their actions declare that they're not. It wasn't about the money that God got upset. It was that he was, they were breaking covenant. They were breaking the uh, unity and God said it's rather it's better for me to remove them quickly and get them out of the way so they do not ruin this spirit of unity that is in the church to be able to do what I have declared for it to do in this last day. Amen. And so that's the power of, of and how important unity is unto God. And then tenth thing is that serving is the norm. Everybody in the scripture served in this New Testament church. And so no matter where that you are, no matter what position that they're in, they all served in some place. Amen. And so in the midst of speaking uh, Wednesday night, and and you that are here, you knew that I I didn't have my watch and all of that. So I I preached uh, about an hour and a half and uh, and, uh, it was all good. but just in a flow. How many know when you get in a flow, things are good? And so I was in that flow on Wednesday night, and, and, and the Lord began to speak to me about another thing, and that is this. I noticed that in this church of action, they praised with power. They praised with power. Uh, they weren't ashamed of their praise. They weren't afraid of what other people thought about their praise. They were there to praise God and not men. Amen. And so they would praise with power. I want to uh, just go back and draw something today and and a couple of examples from the Old Testament. And then we'll come back into this new power church. But you see, Judah was the tribe that led worship. They were the singers. They was the band. Uh, They they and their children were the ones that uh, led Israel forward. They were the first ones in the line. If you've seen the children of Israel marching through the wilderness, they tell me that the way that it was designed, that if you was looking at an aerial view, it would be a picture of the cross going through the wilderness. At the front of that line would always be the tribe of Judah. They would be praising God. They would be worshiping God. Their assignment was for the praise of God to never be silenced. But there would one generation would rest, another generation would rise up. And from generation to generation, Judah knew that they were to be worshipers. And so they would go first into a place. Judah, or Jude, excuse me, Dan would go uh, at the end and they would be the judge. They would say, these are things we've done right. These are things we've done wrong. And they shut the door on that season of their life so they could go into another season. And but yet we see that Judah was the ones in the lead. As a result of Judah going first, Judah would know things before anyone else did. They would get information before anyone else. They were known for uh, going first, praise God. 
Amen. Many times God will give us natural stories to show us something in the spirit. And people that are praisers get information before anyone else does. That's the reason real praisers will praise when everyone else is just looking around and saying, man, aren't they crazy? Amen. But there is not, they're not praising for what's going on now. They're praising because they have already gone into another season. They have gone into another place and they realize that tomorrow is going to be brighter than their today. And so therefore, even when everything is chaotic and trouble is around, them, they will dare to stand and praise God because they already know what's taking place in their future is greater than what happened in their past. Hallelujah. Amen. It pays to be a a praiser because you have the privilege of seeing the move of God before anyone else does. Amen. But don't be discouraged when other people don't see what you're seeing the way that you see it. Amen. Don't be discouraged whenever people don't understand you and they can't figure out why you're acting the way you're acting and doing what you're doing. It's not that they're bad people. It's just they haven't seen what you've seen yet. They don't know what's about to take place. Amen. In their tomorrow. But because you dared in the midst of your turmoil, in the midst of your situation, you dared to open your mouth and bless the Lord. And God began to give you an understanding that your tomorrow is about to change and your circumstances are about to turn around because you opened your mouth and said, I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise will continually be in my mouth. He said, there's somebody I can trust with a prophetic word. There's somebody I can trust with their future and he will release in our now what our tomorrow is going to look like because we have chosen to praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Do I have any praisers in this place this morning? Those who are from the tribe of Judah, they're shouting and you don't understand why. They're dancing and you you don't know what they're dancing about. But praisers see things differently than other people do. Amen. Amen. Other people see the glass half empty. Praisers see it half full. Other people see a crisis, but praisers see an opportunity. Amen. Other people see death, and praisers see a miracle. Caleb was from the tribe of Judah. He was a leader who went into the promised land and saw things differently. He was from the tribe of praisers. Amen. The scripture declares that they went into the same place. They seen the same giants. They seen the same obstacles. But yet Caleb, this praiser, came back with a different report than everybody else. Why is that? Because he was praising God. He was rejoicing at God because the fruit was just like God said it was. That the land was flowing with milk and honey. That everything was just like God said. And Caleb knew that God said, this is my inheritance. And so while he was there, he went ahead and picked him out a man of retirement pad. 
He said, I, I ain't ready for it yet, but I, I, I'm going to come back here. And since God said it's already mine, I, I'm just going to lay claims on that mountain right over there. I know there's some giants in there, some Jezbusites and all kinds of otherites. But he said, I'm going to go and build me a retirement place right there. And I'm going to enjoy the rest of my life. I ain't ready yet, but 45 years from now, I'm coming back. Amen. And I'm going to build me a place there on top of that mountain. I like what Caleb said. He said, I know that God has given me this mountain. Folks, I want to tell you that when you begin to praise God and worship God, you will see things differently. There may be a giant in your way. There may be mountains to climb. There may be obstacles, but they will not cause you to grow weary. But you will know that God that has promised is well able to give you the land he said is yours. Amen. See, Caleb saw things differently. And that's the reason when other people went to murmuring and complaining and talking about what they couldn't do and getting a grasshopper complex, it was Caleb that had a different opinion because he had a different perspective. And when he had been where others had not gone because he was a worshiper. If you're a praiser, God will allow you to see in the spirit what you cannot yet see in the natural. God can show you what's going on and what's going to be while others are still looking at what is. People underestimate you and they laugh at you, but that's all right. If they only knew who you were, they'll go stand in line to see some movie star preacher. They'll go stand in line to see some superstar singer. But if you just knew who you were sitting by today, some of you don't even know who you're sitting by, but if you knew who you were sitting by today, amen, you'd be trying to get their name. You'd be trying to get their number. You'd be trying to get them to pray for you because you only see them for what they are now. But God is about to raise up a generation. He's about to raise up a people, amen, that is not going to be super saints, but know their God and are strong and are doing exploits for his glory and his honor. I wish somebody would praise him here today. God's looking for some Caleb's in this action church. While others are talking about how bad it is, while others are talking about the government and can't get no help, Caleb will stand right up in the middle of it and declare uh, what's not popular. He would say amen to the culture of his day, what was not politically correct, and what they, they, he said would steal the people, and he would remind them that God said, we are well able to take this land. Amen. Caleb was there when they crossed the Red Sea and nobody said anything about him. Caleb was there when the plagues hit Egypt and no one ever heard of him. He was there when Moses struck the rock and water came out of it and yet no mention of his name. Amen. He was there for all these miracles. But what brought Caleb out of obscurity into notoriety? What brought Caleb out of the place of obscurity to prominence? It was a crisis. When crisis comes, it forces Caleb from the backyard to the front yard. When crisis comes, it pushes him out of the place of, of being in the shadow into the forefront. Yeah. 
Amen. Now, watch this with me. Numbers chapter 13 and verse 27. And then he said to them, he said, and he went into the land where they sent them. And he said, truly, it flows with milk and honey and the fruit and the fruit is there. Nevertheless, the people dwell in it in the land is strong and the city is fortified and very large. And moreover, they saw the descendants of Achan and Amalekites dwelt in the land of the south, the Hittites, the Jezbesites and the Amorites all dwelt in the mountains and the Canaanites dwell in the sea along the banks of the Jordan. And Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said. He wasn't mentioned when all these miracles were going on. Nobody knew his name when all of these things were taking place. But when this crisis came and his inheritance was in jeopardy. Are you walking with me? When they were about to disconnect and dislodge and say, we can't take it. Caleb said, well, but wait a minute. This is a crisis time when I'm not going to about to sit here and allow you to take my inheritance. I'm not about to sit here and remain quiet through all that you're about to do. He quieted the people and he said, let us go up at once and possess the land for we are well able to overcome it. Hallelujah. He remained quiet until his inheritance and his children's uh, future was in jeopardy. And just like the dog that he was, when you backed him into a corner, he came out fighting. Whoa, 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 whoa. He came out and said, hey, looky here. I've done, he was like a Popeye spirit done, got all over him. He said, I can stand all I can stand and I can't stand no more. Amen. I'm not going to sit here and let you talk me out of my inheritance. I know what God said. I know what I have seen and I know what I believe. Now, if you want to stay out here in the wilderness, go ahead and help yourself. But I'm looking for somebody that will get up and go in and possess this land with me. Glory to God. I'm here today to tell you that God is looking for some Caleb's. He's looking for some dogs in this generation that will rise up and say we are well able to do what God said we can do. Amen. When people start talking about not going into the land of promise, when people start talking about settling, he came out of the shadows ready to fight like the dog he was. Amen. You can't only push a dog so far. And when you push them back into the corner, they're going to come out fighting. Dogs have a different spirit because dogs are from the tribe of Judah. They are praisers. Amen. Caleb praised God for 45 years for something he had seen but never yet possessed. Let me say that again. Caleb praised God for something that he had seen but had not possessed for 45 years. Amen. But when crisis came and they started talking about his possession and talking about his promise being rejected, amen, that dog came out in him and he said, I'm about to rise up. If I've got to go by myself, I'll go by myself. But I invite you to come because we're going to go in and possess this land just like God said we can. Amen. I've got too much invested in my walk with God. I've got too much at risk in my life to allow naysayers to control my future. Amen. 
David killed a bear. And nobody knew his name. David killed a lion. And the media didn't show up and talk about it. Huh? They didn't have no no uh, seminars. They never had no conferences on how to kill a bear and a lion in three easy steps. They didn't come out with a, a tape series of how to overcome your giant, how to kill your lion. Amen. But when the nation was paralyzed with fear, when a crisis arose that demanded a little shepherd boy to rise up and come from the background to the forefront and display the power of God. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you, could it be this morning? I just ask you, could it be? Could it be that the reason that this nation that we're living in is collapsing and the economic powers are failing? Could it be the reason that the medical science don't have answers? Could it be that the crisis that we are in and our family is in and our nation is in is that God is allowing the crisis to once again bring his power church back to the forefront? Amen to the church. Amen that is unwelcome in the court house, the church that has been pushed out of the school system, the church that has been forced out of the government. But this present day crisis is putting it a man on this power church, the kingdom of God to rise out of the ashes and realize that God is summoning us to the forefront that we will declare and reveal the power of the living God in our lives. Amen. You see, this present crisis that we are facing today cannot be fixed by government. This crisis that we're facing today cannot be fixed with money. This crisis that we face today cannot be fixed with the abilities of men. But we need the power of a living Christ. We need the spirit of the living God to quicken us again and realize it's not by our might or our power, but it is the spirit of the living God that is working through us that we have the answer. Just like Caleb, just like David, we are waiting for our moment. We are waiting for our time. Servants and handmaidens, I will pour out of my spirit in those days. But watch this. That was Joel looking to something ahead. But now we see here in the book of Acts, he said, and it came to pass on the day of Pentecost. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a mighty rushing wind and filled all the house where they were sitting with cloven tongues of fire. It set upon all of them and they all received the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. I submit to you today that we're living in the day of power. Hallelujah. I said we're living in the day of power. We haven't looked like a church of power. We haven't demonstrated the power. But I declare to you this morning that we're living in the hour of power. And it's time for us, his church, to become volunteers and say, God, I'll be your hands extended. I'll be your eyes that see the hurting. I'll be your ears that'll touch the broken. I'll be your feet to go wherever you want me to go. I'll not do it passive. I'll not be timid about it, but I will walk in the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit and declare signs and wonders and miracles must come to pass in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
Just like in Caleb's day, God talk, talks uh, to them about their disobedience. But my servant Caleb, he says, has a different spirit. In other words, you're not going to get the promise, but I have somebody who refused to be like everyone else. I've got this somebody that's still praising me. Somebody who won't be afraid of the crowd. Somebody that won't just go and say, I'll go with everybody else. Somebody that said, I don't want to just sit here, but I'm going to, you might not want it, but I want it. You may not need it, but I got to have it. And I'm hungry for it. Amen. And so whatever it takes, I'm willing to do it because I need God in my life. I need God to do something that no man can do for me. I need God to do something that money can't buy me. I need him to move in my life. God is looking for people who's not trying to fit in. We don't need another Jake's. We don't need another parsley. We don't need another hen. All we need is you being you full of the Holy Ghost. And you, God, will use you. He will empower you. He will strengthen you. He will anoint you and raise you up for this last day. Praise God. You see, he has a Jake's because he needed a Jake's. He's got a hen because he needed a hen. But he needs you not to mimic somebody else, not to try to be something you're not. He just wants you to be you full of the Holy Ghost and power. Amen. And deliver and set the captive free. Heal the brokenhearted and speak the word of God with authority and boldness in your life. You can laugh at me now. You can mock me now for my praise. Huh? But God's going to give me the promise. Amen. I said, you can laugh at me for laying hands on the sick. But when you get sick, you start looking for me. You can mock my praise. And say you're just a little over the top. But whenever you don't have anything left to impress. I said when you ain't got nobody left to impress. And you're on the bottom. You get some praise up in you. And you'll start blessing the Lord and you won't give a rip who thinks anything about it or not. You'll just bless him to the best of your ability because you need God to come into your crisis. Amen. He said, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on my sons and daughters. The crisis we find ourselves in is a setup for the church to wake up and take its rightful place in the kingdom of God. Amen. To establish the kingdom of God in the earth and declare that God's power is not just for the pie in the sky, but God's power. Power is for the here and the now. Glory to God. To lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Cast out devils in the name of Jesus. Declare to the oppressed, you shall be set free in the name of Jesus. Because greater is he that is in you than the world that is pushing against you. Amen. The crisis we find ourselves in today is a wake-up call for the church. Someone might say, what crisis? Our crisis is not the job. 
Our crisis is that truth has fallen in the street. Our crisis is a man gets seven years in prison for having a Bible study in his own living room. I ain't talking about Russia. I'm talking about America. The crisis is a man that people are killing our families at the movie theater. The crisis is that disease that we have today that medical science has no cure for. The crisis is that our children are being addicted to drugs and alcohol and all kinds of perversions at 12 and 14 years old. People take their lives because they have no hope of a brighter future. We are in a crisis. Amen. This crisis is calling for the Caleb's to come forth. This crisis is calling for the David to get up. This crisis is calling for the power church to arise and demonstrate the power of the God that we say we serve. Glory to God. Amen. You see, we are being summoned to the center stage. God's church is no longer to be the punchline of a late night joke. Amen. But we will know our God. We will be strong and we will do exploit. Why? Because God has called us to this last day and the enemy has pushed us back as far as I'm willing to back up. And it's time for us to rise up and say we will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. We will cast out devils. We will deliver those who are oppressed because God is living inside of us. Amen. You've got to speak with boldness said you've got to speak with boldness. If you don't know God, you won't speak with boldness. But they that know their God. Amen. We are weak and anemic because we have no relationship with the king of the kingdom. But whenever you have a relationship with the king of the kingdom, you don't fear what's going on in the outer courts. Because you know the king. You know his heart. You know what he desires to do. And so therefore you operate according to what he desires. Your family is in crisis. And God is calling you. To speak. Your body is in crisis. And you've got to speak. Things are dying in your life. And the centurion said... He marveled Jesus because he said, you don't need to come to my house. All you need to do is speak the word. And he said, I've never seen this kind of faith in all of the house of Israel. He knows something that Israel has not yet understood. All I have to do is speak the word. And it is so. God has sent me today to call the power of God that is in you out. Call you to the forefront and say you're greater than you think you are. 
You're greater than what your job is. You're greater than, than your status in life. You're greater than the things around you and what people have said you are. You are who God has called you and ordained you to be. And if you are called by his name, you're his child. And therefore his power and his kingdom lives on the inside of you. And he is summonsing that power and strength to arise today and speak the word of God with boldness and with authority. Stand with me this morning. I don't need everybody today. I just need somebody. Somebody that believes that this crisis that we're in is our time to shine. This time that we're in is not the end, but the beginning. This isn't the defeat, it's an opportunity for God to reveal himself in power and in authority. Father, I've done my best to share your word today. God, I pray this morning that it not fall upon deaf ears, but who you sent me to today will receive the word of God with meekness. And God, their soul will be saved. God, I pray today if anybody's under the sound of my voice this morning that don't know you in the free pardon of sin, have a personal relationship with you. I pray today be the day that the chains be broken off of their life and they be set free for your glory and for your honor.